I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewest.substack.com. Okay, so we are back. And I apologize also for, is the audio quality noticeably worse? I mean, like in an interference way or just no? Okay. No. All right, because I'm not using my fancy mic because I didn't bring it because I didn't think I'd be here, uh, but whatever. Okay, so uh, over the break, I got very, very into uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, and um, I, I mentioned that I wanted to take up uh, his Av HaShem and Yer HaShem um, things that relate to the Ram. I don't want to do that now, though. But what I did want to do is uh, last night on Facebook, then a friend of mine, you know, we're having a discussion about the Rambam and the Bahag, and a friend of mine made the uh, made the the statement: um, the Rambam loved making lists, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But I'd say that that's not how I would characterize what the Rambam did. And I found this passage in uh, in Emerson's essay called "The American Scholar," where I think it really like summarizes what the Rambam was trying to do. So I just wanted to read it. And then just get your uh, your thoughts on it, um, uh, which I thought would be a good way to just get back into the Ramam here. Okay, so this is in section 1-1 of the American Scholar. So he says like this. It's not a very long excerpt, just one page. So he says, um, the first time, sorry, the first in time and the first in importance of the influence upon the mind is that of nature. Every day, the sun and after sunset, night and her stars. Ever the winds blow, ever the grass grows. Every day, men and women conversing, beholding and beholden. The scholar must needs stand wistful and admiring before this great spectacle. He must settle its value in his mind. What is nature to him? There is never a beginning. There is never an end to the inexplicable continuity of this web of God, but always circular power returning into itself. Therein it resembles his own spirit, whose beginning, whose ending he can never find. So endless, entire, so boundless. Far too as her splendors shine, system on system, shooting like rays upward, downward, without center, without circumference, in the mass and in the particle, nature hastens to render account of herself to the mind. Now, this is my bolding. This is the part that is uh, uh, reminds me of the mission tour. Let me just move the uh, zoom thing for one second here. Uh, okay, so then he says, classification begins. To the young mind, everything is individual, stands by itself. By and by, it finds how to join two things and see in them one nature, then three, then 3,000. And so tyrannized over by its own unifying instinct, it goes on tying things together, diminishing anomalies, discovering roots running underground, whereby contrary and remote things cohere and flower out of one stem, out from one stem. It presently learns that since the dawn of history, there has been a constant accumulation and classifying of facts. But what is classification but the perceiving that these objects are not chaotic and not foreign, but have a law which is also a law of the human mind? The astronomer discovers that geometry, a pure abstraction of the human mind, is the measure of planetary motion. The chemist finds proportions and intelligible method throughout matter. And science is nothing but the finding of analogy, identity in the most remote parts. The ambitious soul sits down before each refractory fact. One after another reduces all strange constitutions, all new powers to their class and their law, and goes on forever to animate the last fiber of organization, the outskirts of nature by insight. And the last paragraph here. Thus to him, to this schoolboy under the bending dome of day, is suggested that he and it proceed from one root. One is leaf and one is flower. Relation, sympathy, stirring in every vein. And what is that root? Is it not that the soul of his soul, 
sorry, is, is not that the soul of his soul, a thought too bold, a dream too wild. Yet when this spiritual light shall have revealed the law of more earthly natures, when he has learned to worship the soul and to see that the natural philosophy that now is, is only the first gropings of its gigantic hand, he shall look forward to an ever expanding knowledge as to become a, as to becoming, as to a becoming creator. He shall see that nature is the opposite of the soul, answering to it part for part. One is seal and other, and one is print. Its beauty is the beauty of his own mind. Its laws are the laws of his own mind. Nature then becomes to him the measure of his attainments. So much of nature as he is ignorant of, so much of his mind, his own mind, he does not yet possess. And in fine, the ancient precepts know thyself and the modern precepts study nature become at last one maxim. Yeah. So uh, I guess, uh, I, I guess I, I, my question for you is um, whenever I'm in my English class and I read, uh, we read a passage together, my first thing is just any thoughts and impressions, observations. So that's one question I have. The other question is, how would you compare that to the statement of my friend characterizing the Ramam's activity as the Ramam loved making lists? <laughs> so if you want to answer either question. I mean, I have an answer to the second question, I guess. Okay, sure. Um, that like the Ram isn't just like, it's not just he, you know, enjoyed making lists and like he just wanted to come up with like he just whatever studied so that he can make lists of things and like put them all together in like nice neat categories but like yeah that was part of a sort of like a larger uh activity of like you know um like like uh, like that was that is the way of like uh you know um enhancing your avasashem is like having a clearer picture of what's going on and like there's like a bunch of like chaotic seeming facts that you're exposed to in Torah, just like in nature. And like, yeah, you kind of like organize them is that is the activity of the mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, very, very well said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, 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 that to me is what was missing that making lists, first of all, sounds like, I mean, you can make lists based on a lot of stuff. You can make lists based on like accidental qualities. You can make lists based on like practical uses, you know? And, but so making lists is not synonymous with, with Chachma as a, an appreciation of the underlying lawfulness of X, Y, Z, you know, and like Emerson's talking about the underlying lawfulness of nature, Ram's talking about the underlying lawfulness of Torah. And so, like you said, like it's critical for Avas Hashem to perceive the systems and the Ram was classifying things systemically in order to be able to perceive the underlying systems. And that's like, to call it making lists is like to trivialize it in my mind, you know? Um, yeah, Isaac? Yeah, I have, I, um, like similarly like you know physics has like boiled down um like the laws of nature to like four fundamental principles right and you wouldn't say oh the may you know they came up with a list of fundamental principles because they yeah they love- exactly that's a good that's a good analogy <laughs> <laughs> right oh those those physicists love making lists <laughs> um yeah that's good um uh did there was there anything so i, I think the, this part about the classification is uh, is very clear i don't think we need to read the ramam there but this last part here about the relationship between knowledge of nature and knowledge of the soul um that to me reminded me of a very specific thing we learned in the rambam um i'm curious if it reminded you of anything specific that we learned in the rambam um yeah yeah <laughs> uh it reminded me of the the whole thing about like that uh like the man of perfect knowledge is like oh interesting the idea of man like that's that is manness i guess yeah so like real manliness yeah <laughs> right yeah. so like so so getting i guess become like knowing more of yourself and like becoming more of a full man i guess yeah is like getting more knowledge of 
Okay, that's actually far more accurate uh, and precise than the thing I associated to. But I think you're right, especially the line that he says here with, where is the line? Um, yeah, he shall see that nature is the opposite of the soul, answering apart to part. One is seal and one is fine. Uh, one is print. That to me, I think again, without without descending into the rabbit hole of the uh, active intellect, I think that was the uh, I think that was the analogy that was used that I said there is that like the active intellect is where the forms exist, and the material intellect, which is the human intellect, is what can be impressed by those souls, impressed in the like analogy analogous sense and impressed as in like being in awe but you know of the uh, that the uh, the way that they conceived of knowledge was of of making your material intellect approximate the the uh, the active intellect and and like you know the the halakha that you were referencing just now of the um the tsura what is it nefesh kolbasar ki tsura shashnasna lakel the 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 das haisera benafshal adam he das adam hashalim bedato. I think that was an exact quote. I'm not sure. Um, that the per- perfected knowledge um, is the is the full form of the soul. Yeah, that's that's definitely like I think that is what Emerson is saying. Uh, I mine was more I guess of a drushy association, <laughs> uh, spe- specifically with the. Uh, but I'm glad you brought that up though, specifically with the last line of um, of so much of nature as he is ignorant of so much of his own mind he does not yet possess. And in fine, the ancient precept, know thyself, and the modern precept, study nature, become at last one maxim. Yeah, so what, what does that mean exactly? Because you're not, like, getting knowledge of yourself. Like, it is, like, you know, I guess, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I guess, leave it at that. Well, so I, I think, so I don't actually know for sure what Emerson means by it, because... Um, because I, I mean, the, the sense I get just from what I've read so far, I haven't finished this essay, but what I'm getting so far is that because, because, and let me think, think how to put it here, because you are part of nature and because you are the thing in nature that knows, that can know nature, which I guess is similar to Judaism in the sense that man on earth is the only creature that can know the rest of the universe. So then by, hmm. I don't actually know. I mean, I, I, I was I was going to say that that it was what you were saying basically is that you're you are actualizing your own soul by knowing nature, but I, but I don't know. But you're not knowing your own soul, which is the thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly what he means, but I think we could apply it to the Mishnah Torah, though. Um, so what I was thinking, at least, is uh, is Busha, is Oslo Evosh Babiti El Komitzosecha, and one of the which is the opening uh, opening line of the Mishnah Torah, and I, I don't remember. I know we had several uh, times where we examined that uh, that phrase. I don't remember what we said in the end, but one of the ideas I remember we talked about was that the Torah is a system. Of, you know, it's a regimen that brings those who practice it properly to true, uh, you know, to true success, which is knowledge of God to the extent possible. So, so it is a system that is like an instruction manual to your own, your own, like life, your own living as a, as a human being, and so. To the extent that you don't know the mitzvos, you don't know yourself. And to the extent that you you gain knowledge of the, of, of the mitzvos, then you're really gaining knowledge of of yourself and what it means to live. And so, so whatever Emerson means about applying this to nature, I feel like it does apply to the Mishnah Torah in that sense that, like David Melch saying, once I complete, once I have knowledge of your mitzvos, then I will not be embarrassed. Implying that to the extent that I that I um I don't have knowledge, then I am uh, embarrassed. Oh, so before I go on, I just had another epiphany there. Does that, does that make sense? 
But then I'm realizing now another thing that we did. Let me actually stop sharing this and go back to the actual Mishnah Torah. One of the last things we did, I'm realizing now, is he did talk about Busha again. And I also don't remember what we said here, but let's just go back to this. At the end of Dalid, in his uh, restatement of Yer Hashem and um, in Avas Hashem, over, yeah, here. Bisman she Adam misbonin bedvarim elu umakir kulabrim umimalach vagavav Adam kiyotzebo. So that's actually saying, I mean, I'm just saying almost the opposite in the sense that that the more knowledge you gain of the universe, the more busha you're going to feel. Do you remember what we said about that? I, I don't. Rem- I don't really remember how. I, I we had a good explanation, and I know it's. Uh, I can listen to the podcast. Me, you're saying. I think you have a, yeah. the contradiction, like that. It seems um, like. Yeah, just what? Well, I mean, for, even without the contradiction, just what did he? What, what did we say for the Ramam there? That how how does how does the feeling of busha come from appreciating? Uh, your place in the universe through through knowledge. Well, it's like the the uh, the more you uh, the more you have a sense of your place in the universe, the more you realize how like insignificant you are, and I guess a certain like feeling of like um, embarrassment or foolishness for like how important you 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 feel like you like you feel like you are. Uh huh. That's a good explanation. That, I, that is a good explanation. I don't think that's what we said, but that is that that does make sense. Um, yeah, I don't think we said that. I'm, I'm so, saying so that now. To, okay, according to that explanation, <laughs> so then the busha comes from the uh, from the ego, then right from the exaggerated sense of your place in the universe that you had prior to the knowledge, and then the sense of your your smallness uh, in the face of this knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Didn't we say actually? You don't remember that? Maybe it was it was uh, the idea that that Zev was mentioning just now. The seeing how much you don't know. And seeing how lacking you are as a, uh, a sorry, your um, your audio is going like quiet and loud in like a oh okay is it better yeah. now or not? Uh, most mostly, but then but like you had like a crackle in the middle of oh okay all right well uh, I'll, I'll say that again um, I said that um, it might go back to the ideas that I was referencing about the fact that the the human being with the actualized soul is the human being with knowledge of everything that can be known so therefore when you realize how much there is that you don't know you as a sura are lacking like you as a uh, an actualized form are lacking um maybe that was actually maybe i'm thinking now that that was really the rake bakaser part um maybe not the busha and klima yeah And it is true that Emerson didn't mention the did not mention shame. We just mentioned the self knowledge part. Um, but uh, but I mean the the connection there is seeing the self in the context of the rest of the universe as illuminated by your knowledge. You know uh, that's something that you're uh, you're you're uh, you're gaining. You know when you get this year's Hashem. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so just a thought. Um, uh, let me know if you think of anything uh, else on, uh, along these lines. All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to stop this recording, and then we're going to start a new one for the new topic. All right, stop recording. Yeah.
If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.